Welcome to We Grow California with your hosts, Darcy Villery and Darcy Burke, a safe space to discuss water, agriculture, and what makes California grow. We have guests from those who just drink water to those that make water policy, all passionate about the water issues that face all Californians today. Join the conversation by liking, subscribing, sending in your questions, and submitting your request to be our guest. Let's get this conversation started. Welcome in today. Darcy and I are very excited to welcome the California United Water Coalition, specifically one of their co-chairmen, Mark Nakata. Before we welcome Mark in, I want to give a little history to our listeners, Darcy, on how I met Mark. So um, as you probably know, I was I had the opportunity to be featured on California Insider and spoke very directly about my feelings on the state's water management or in my perspective, mismanagement. And Mark happened to listen to that or watch that episode. Um, I don't like to watch myself on video, Mark, so I give you credit for sticking through it. And went through the time to hunt me down and find me and really tried to share with with me their perspective of water issues, what they're dealing with um, in Madeira. And I just thought it would be helpful for people to get different perspectives of how people are dealing with water regulations in the state, compliance, and impacts to local communities. So before um, we got started, I just thought it might be helpful of how we came to know Mark and um, how we came to know the California United Water Coalition. So Mark, I'll get right to it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Mark is a fourth generation farmer in Madera County and he is the co-chairman of the California Water Coalition. Why don't you tell our audience, Mark, just a little bit about the group, why it was formed and what are you working on? Good morning, Darcy. Thank you for having me. Um, so we started basically like the way most farmers do things is uh, have a coffee shop talk and talk about issues. Right? And um, anyway, so I got involved because there were, I kept hearing about all of these uh, things that were going to happen. And um, so our group, is a grassroots group of farmers and we're all getting educated uh, at the same time and uh, so it's been a virtual sprint uh, to get up to speed with a lot of these issues because most farmers unfortunately have a tendency to say leave me alone let me do my thing and don't bother me you know and that's been historic. Um, unfortunately, um, uh, many things are being thrust upon us. And the worst part is uh, Madera County uh, Board of Supervisors has decided that they need to go far above and beyond what the state's mandating in terms of uh, penalties, fees, and enforcement. And so that has caused um, a bunch of farmers to push back. And so California United Water Coalition started as that. And the more that we talk to people from around the state, the more that we learn about issues that are going on around the state, the more we realize that uh, we have a common cause. And whether it's us up here or you folks down there in Southern California, we're all facing this crisis together. And um, so we need to find a way to work together uh, to find common solutions. 
So, Mark, I, I'm kind of curious because I farm over uh, over in Fireball, and I want to know. So, how exactly has this impacted your, like, for instance, your operation, your uh, your workers, your community right now? Well, so Madera County has decided that our allotment, quote unquote, is 28 inches, and 28 inches is somewhere around half of what most crops need, and so they have imposed penalties over and above 28 inches. So for every acre foot you pump above 28 inches, the penalty starts out at $100 an acre and progressively goes up to $500 per acre foot. And $100 an acre foot is bad enough. You get to $500 an acre foot, that's an extra $1,000 an acre. And then that's unsustainable. There's no way. And... Um, so wait, I'm going to stop you for a minute, Mark. It's unsustainable for farming. It's unsustainable for water it's just, re recharge. Help, help yeah. me understand what's unsustainable. Yeah, it, it's unsustainable for farming. Um, uh, the state wants to, quote unquote, retire or repurpose a million acres of farmland here in the San Joaquin Valley. And, um, you know, I, I don't. I oppose the state mandating that, but I do believe uh, that most of the growers in our area anyways uh, are participatory in terms of we got to find a way to cut back and, and, and do different things. Here's the thing, and I've told this to the Board of Supervisors. When you hold a gun to my head and tell me I have to do something, I'm probably going to punch you in the mouth, okay? If you come to me and say, hey, you know, let's work together on finding a solution. I'll be like, hey, let's do that, right? And and the funny thing is this. Here's the funny thing. Is that the growers in our county have come up with very creative ways to reduce groundwater, to take uh, land out of production on a voluntary basis. And, and the thing is, is that I believe the part that's really missing, at least here in Madera County, is education. Once you sit down and you educate the farmers as to what has to happen, most of them are more than willing to participate, right? But when you hold a gun to their head and you say, well, you will do this, that's when you get the pushback. So I'm going to jump in here, Mark, for just a second. So uh, Darcy and I recently recorded an episode on the Groundwater Sustainability Act, the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. And normally, Darcy and I, it's DVD, Darcy versus Darcy. And yeah, this, we have episodes where we argue certain topics yeah, or like, any topic. Like turf removal, right? We, yeah. we had a very robust conversation about that. And this particular act, we were actually pretty much on the same page, although we both identified elements that we think – are challenging and that we come from from different perspectives. But we also realized that the act was passed in 2014. So why now, Mark? Why are, are farmers being engaged now when many farmers, like to, to Darcy's point, have been dealing with this since 2014? Um, well, the enforcement lever has been pulled. And we can talk about the reasons why. I, I think at least part of it, or maybe most of it, is political. But the other thing is, is that we have a, a very real problem um, with groundwater, with 
I mean, the, the overpumping that's going on is, is a huge problem. But I would, I would suggest that, that as much as anything, the, state, the state's failure to properly manage and convey water uh, is a large portion of the issue. And so uh, there are, I mean, we can get into all kinds of reasons why, um, but, but I'll say that in my estimation, the state has failed for over 50 years to manage the water supply correctly. And what the state is now doing is pointing the finger at farmers and saying, you're the problem. We didn't create the problem ourselves. We are not the total start and, and, and end of the problem. We are a part of the problem, but, but we, we, we don't control the water supply. In other words, the water that falls in the north has to go south. And this is something that our forefathers accurately identified and built a system starting during the Great Depression to fix the problem. And that took a lot of guts and a lot of hard effort. And we certainly are not providing that sort of effort today. Um, but we need to. Uh, all of us. I'm kind of curious, Mark. I'm, I have the issue. How did it end up? I mean, isn't the GSA for your area, it's the exact same, it's the, it's the county board, isn't it? It's the board of supervisors is also in charge of the GSA, which to so, me is a... So, Darcy, tell everybody what a GSA much? is. Right. Again, so the <laughs> Groundwater Sustainability Agency, which puts together the Groundwater Sustainability Plan, and I was telling Darcy earlier that like I, I was, we have two agencies that are working on issues out here in my area, and one that we were kind of getting started again to tackle... Uh, to tackle flood issues, and we were told by Fresno County, yeah, you can't have your board members from your water district because they overlap, sit on that other board. That could lead to a lot of problems. Either, I, I don't know, you know, they worry about uh, corruption, lack of transparency, any number of things, and I totally appreciate their concern with that. And yet somehow, how did Madera, the County Board of Supervisors, end up being the exact same people sitting on the GSA? That just screams problems for me. Right, and and, and it is, and, and we are in the midst of challenging all of that in court. So I, I feel like that, first of all, you're correct. Uh, second of all, we see the same thing, and which is why we have uh, initiated challenging court. And it's a wide ranging challenge, but um, the, the short answer is, is that it is is all about corruption. Uh, we see it. Uh, in fact, you know, we have an election coming up in roughly a month. And it's really funny how half the candidates are all for what the board is doing. And if you look at where their funding comes from and you look at, at who's pulling the, the, the levers, it's all the same people. You have outsiders who are running who are uh, much more in favor of uh, doing things on an above board basis. and um, and they were behind, but they're catching up very quickly, and they could end up winning. And I'll tell you what, the, the board now is in a complete panic. They're absolutely losing their minds because they see what may happen. And and you know how it is. In a small town like Madera, uh, let's face it, there are certain people who control the town, basically, or have, have controlled the town. 
and and unfortunately they've overstepped their authority now and 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 it it's it 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 is absolutely disgraceful because you have irrigation districts suing the county because the county is not going fast enough because they feel like well when all these other farmers go out of business we'll end up with more water and more land so you actually have in our county you have irrigation districts suing the county because they're not going fast enough and then on the other side you've got farmers suing the county because um that all these draconian measures are coming down and it's a far above and beyond where even the state is and yet the the, the county's trying to tell the farmers well it'd be worse if the state comes in and the growers are going, well, you know, it can't be worse than what you're doing. Well, I would stop right there because I never say that out loud. <laughs> you never know what you don't know. Um, but but let's look at the impact, Mark. So you, you've laid out the problem and, and the steps that the California United Water Coalition is taking, both in, in the court of public opinion and, and in the court system itself. But if you're unable to be successful... And your your region continues to manage the groundwater as they have proposed to do so. What will be the outcome? Uh, most of the farms will go out of business. The 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 valley will turn into a dust bowl to a great extent. There will be a lot of towns around the valley which will disappear. I mean, even in Water Blueprint's own economic study, uh, you're talking about. Um, a lot of towns around the valley are losing 70% of their jobs. I, I don't know how any town can lose 70% of its jobs and survive. It, it, and I can tell you that, that that in counties where there is a large white area like Madera County, there's no way. When you have you have almost 100,000 acres of white area in Madera County. Yeah. And you, you can't lose that and survive. It just won't happen. I'm genuinely curious what the point of it, it do you have any idea what they're going to do with all these fees and fines they want to tack on the growers? Is it, are they, is it, well, is it dedicated to turn around and say, here's what we're going to do? Much like, uh, for instance, the, uh, the Valley Air Board, you know, they come and they, they charge you for the burning. Okay. That, that sucks. But those dollars turn right back around and go into helping, uh, you know, the people who are willing to commit to it. I've done it a bunch of times by cleaner burning tractors and by, I've got a bunch of electric UTVs. Is that money going back to farmers? to help them convert or is there state dollars coming? Because like you said, everybody's made investments with one yeah. understanding. Yeah. And then, you know, we got a hundred million dollars for planning in Sigma, but where's, and we got a hundred million, here's a fun one to, to quote, we got a hundred million dollars in Sigma for planning. And then we got a billion dollars for pulling out turf when in the new, uh, in the governor's water plan when, Hey, could we just partition off some of that money as opposed to spending $70,000 an acre pulling out grass? to go help growers in areas like yours to right. mitigate it. Because I think 28 inches is very tough to, to deal I you know to deal with. Right. It, it's really, it's like, I feel like it, there's ways to deal with it, but right. if you don't have the money to, you're going out of business. So, so can I, right. for the people that yeah. don't farm, that listen, and actually we're getting more and more of those, Darcy, I'm happy to report. Let's oh, talk great. about an acre foot, right? So I like to give a visual what an acre foot is, Mark, if you'll bear with me for just a moment. So for... Our urban listeners, think of a football field, goalpost to goalpost, a foot deep of water. That's one acre foot. So when Mark's talking about 28 inches, you're talking a little bit more than two acre feet. 
when maybe a particular type of row crop takes five acre feet. Am I understanding the, the, the challenge? Mark, my yeah. summarizing it right so people can understand? So when they're talking acre feet, I know as urban users, we don't talk in acre feet, we talk in gallons. Um, I'm not gonna convert that to gallons because I think a visual is far better. So he's getting less than half of what he needs. And I think we mentioned this before, Darcy, farming without financial incentive is called gardening. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, this is a business. You need your raw product to convert into a finished product, in this case, produce or food we eat, to be able to go to market. So I just kind of wanted to give people that aren't farmers that listen yeah. in kind of a perspective of what Mark's talking about. So I apologize for interrupting. Go ahead, yeah. gentlemen. So, the, okay. So the answer to the question is this. The county doesn't know. The county hasn't even finished the studies that justify the fees that they are charging via the 218 measure that passed. And they certainly haven't even begun to identify or explain how the penalties are going to be used. So what the, 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 the plan is, is we're going to collect the money first, and then later on, somewhere down the road, we're going to tell you how we're going to spend it. It's literally what. Yeah, that's problematic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's. Right. I mean, they should be outlining something that's definitely problematic. Yeah. No, according to the 218, unless I'm wrong, is that the benefit needs to be equal or greater than the charge, and there is yes. no benefit that's identifiable because at this point they're charging fees and penalties without having either. As a matter of fact, to be straight up about it, they haven't even fully vetted their sort of arrow watch system that they want to use. In fact, that there's a whole bunch of debate and a whole bunch of numbers that are not coming out anywhere near close to what it should be. And so that whole thing is, is not even uh, completed yet. And so apparently they want to, they don't have the, the, the system set up yet. They want to charge your fees and penalties. So let's talk about Prop 218 for just a second for those that haven't had the pleasure of going through this process. So typically what happens is the an entity, whether it be um, the GSA or it be a water agency or an irrigation district, goes to a outline of a plan, which might mean that I want to invest more in, in water use efficiency, I need to buy more water, I have an energy charge to move my water, and tells a financial modeling firm all of the elements that they want to or need to pay for because you have to recover costs. You don't get to have a surplus, but you have to recover your costs. So that's pretty much the defensible part of the 218. You tell them what you need. They develop the, the financial models, and they tell you, based on those models, what your rate is. And and depending on your, your district, irrigation district or a water agency, that could be per gallon, per unit, per acre, per whatever. But it has to be defensible to Mark's case. So you you tell the firm what you plan on, on paying for it with. So it sounds to me like they gave the modeling uh, company, the the firm, a list of of wishes of all the things they might want to pay for, and that's how they determine the fees, penalties, and rate structure. Because it has to be based on something. These financial modelers don't just come up with it by themselves. You have to well, give the them input of what they would need to pay for, and then they figure out what what that cost is. 
so they they have done modeling, but as you guys both know, modeling is not exactly totally accurate. And certainly from a from a economic uh, perspective, you still need to do the the uh, the economic uh, study in order to be able to come up with firm numbers. Uh, so they they as an example, um, part of it that they have identified is uh, uh, well replacement for uh, for homeowners. Okay, but they haven't identified uh, how many wells they need to replace. They they have a an estimate, but they don't know. And then as far as the bringing in of new water, quote unquote. They've identified that they are going to get 10,000 acre feet out of sites, and but they can't tell us whether they have it for sure, nor can they tell us uh, where, when that project is even going to be started. Nobody can tell part, us that. <laughs> Nobody can tell us where that part, project's going to be started, Mark. Yeah. Well, exactly. So, so the third part is this. Um, plan to repurpose okay and and the problem with that of course is is that they don't they haven't yet uh gotten anybody to agree to repurposing or what it takes or, or what it is exactly they have identified that they want to be able to pay a certain amount of money but the problem is is that if a grower goes for that that what he's doing is he's severely reducing the value of his property. And so I don't know too many growers who are going to sign on to that when the value of their property has been severely reduced. And um, so uh, the other day they held a, uh, a workshop on repurposing. And so there were several questions from the growers as to the expenses and, and there, you know, different parts of, of, of the plan and they had no answers we haven't done it yet we we don't know yet we don't you know and so it was it was a bunch of it's a bunch of uh non-responsive answers to very specific questions coming from the growers about this land repurposing so when i say to you that um they don't have their numbers together and they don't know what the numbers are and they certainly they certainly can't back them up this is what I'm talking about. It's a big problem. So you you started the conversation. Part of it, Mark, is that the state had not invested in water in 50 years. I, I think yep. they actually finished the state water project in 1973. I could be wrong on that. Don't don't quote me on that specific date. But I know that the termination was done in the early 70s. Um, so what do you think about the governor's new strategic water plan? Um, it's an attempt, but it's got major problems. I, I'm also a member of the uh, water blueprint and, uh, and the water blueprint uh, just drafted a, a response to the governor's plan, which I had, serious questions about. Uh, as an example, I know in the governor's plan, he wants to turn the Salakin Valley into a giant, giant underground storage. And my question was this, in order for you to put water underground, first of all, you got to capture it. 
then you got to convey it. So California gets uh, varying amounts of rain. And so when you capture water, let's say in Northern California, you move it via the, the aqueduct system down and put it in your storage, right? How are you going to replace the water in the reservoir? In other words, it, we, we get rain events over a few days, not not several months normally. So how are you going to replace that water? And if you can't replace the water, you're going to end up pulling the water back out of the underground before you get more water in it. So it's, it's sort of a, a, it's a little bit of sleight of hand. And so uh, I think we must build our capacity uh, to a great extent uh, based upon how and where uh, the rain falls. Because we obviously don't have enough capacity. We obviously need to increase our capacity. That's apparent to everybody. But we need to do it in a smart way, smart fashion. And I don't think we're, we're spending enough time and enough effort uh, doing things smartly. I think we do a lot of things for a lot of reasons, but I, I don't know that common sense is the first uh, objective, and it should be. So, Mark, if there's one thing to, to summarize, because I think we're around it, we're circling to finish up the conversation. If there's one thing you would like people to remember or take away from what we've all we've talked about or concerns that you have, what would that one thing be? Well, that one thing is uh, we... All of us here in this state, every resident in this state is a water user. And so as such, we all have a vested interest in the solution. And I think that in, in many times we find ourselves opposed to each other. And that we got to drop that. We, we all have to come together. We have to, we have to find out where we have common goals and we need to work on solving those huge issues that we all have as a common goal. And it doesn't matter whether you're in San Joaquin Valley, it doesn't matter whether you're in Southern California, it doesn't matter whether you're in Northern California. We all are, have a vested interest in solving the problem. So I think uh, we have to drop the politics and, and we have to work together on finding common solutions. That's how we're gonna move the state forward. Well, I wanna thank you, Mark, for joining us today and sharing with us a little bit about the California United Water Coalition. We hope our listeners come and listen next time. I want to remind everyone that you can leave a comment on the page. You can ask a question. And Darcy and I are looking forward to an episode upcoming where we answer all your questions. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to another We Grow California episode and being a part of our community. Be sure to like, subscribe, submit your questions, and guest requests at ecwaterpack.com forward slash podcast that's ecwaterpac.com forward slash podcast today